0: Another season, first draft is underway
1: Jalen Carter, too quick, too powerful that's, that's a touchdown That is a bad man Go, 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 no! no, no, no. He's maybe the best player in the sport Watch out for Mr. Robinson Fifth touchdown pass for C.J. Stroud Jackson Smith and Jigbo, arguably the top receiver in the country If you didn't know the name Will Levis before tonight, you know it now Said, late to defender out of bounds. He is a highlight reel waiting like, to happen every time he touches the football.
0: Guys, we've made it. It is finally the week of the 2023 NFL draft. It is our final first draft before the events begin on Thursday night in Kansas City. I'm Field Yates and I will be here in Bristol during the draft, but two of the most important voices that you will be hearing from. Throughout the three nights of the NFL Draft are Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr. It's always great to have the two of them on the show because they are the stars of the show. And, you know, we've been going through all these different angles for the past couple of months as we have endured another season of first draft. But Mel and Todd, we are finally close enough to the draft where we can just focus in on the big, general, main topics. But i got to ask the two of you, and I'll start with you, Mel, like just – what is the feeling like at this portion of the draft? Is it anticipation? Is it homework crunch time? What's going through your mind 72 or so hours out from the first pick?
1: Get us to Kansas City as soon as possible, right, Todd? Just get us to Kansas City, get this thing going. I mean, we've been talking about it for months and months and months. I hope you don't know who's picking second, third, fourth. I hope there's a lot of mystery. I don't like the prediction game at all. I think we do it all, but we don't want to know. Why know? You want to know the truth presence under the tree right before Christmas morning. So to me, uh, we know Bryce Young's going to Carolina, pretty sure about that. But Houston, keep it a mystery. I wouldn't let anything out, try to go into the draft, not knowing who's going to trade up, trade down. You know the teams that may, but I still think there's a lot of speculation about teams early on maybe making a move. Quarterbacks, we have no idea, Todd, where they're going to go after the number one quarterback, Bryce Young. So with all that in mind, who's going to be the shocking first-round pick? I'm always asked that question, well, how how, how can I tell you what's going to be shocking if I'm going to be shocked? So I have no idea who the shocking first-round pick is going to be. Who's the guy goes a lot earlier than we think? Who's the guy that slides down beyond the quarterbacks a lot further than we think? All those things would make the draft great.
2: Yeah, listen, for me, the last 72 hours, I've I've talked to more people in the league than I do for the the other 11 months of the year. And it's just trying to get information that – that's important for a few days and then really doesn't matter because then it's, you know, then it's, it's truth time. And, and, and the truth comes out of who really likes these players and where they wind up and how they're going to move forward. The other part is like, we've already had multiple shows today and it's just, it's weathering the storm with Kuiper. Kui- Let's just like pull the screen back a little bit here. Kuiper hates leaving the Kuiper compound. Mm. He's every once in a while he gets, he gets out of it. <laughs> and there's something, something that comes up. And last year he's from home and he's happy and, the trucks are there, and, and there's, there's all sorts of communication issues. Now he's got to be back in the draft in Kansas City. I can't wait to see him. But even starting this morning, it's like, I'm just sitting here peacefully, minding my own business, and Kuiper's taking shots. He's getting anxious about traveling. He doesn't like being out of this compound. And now all of a sudden, he's got to take it out on me. So I've learned over the years, absorb some of the punches on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we'll get to Kansas City, and it'll be, you know, and my buddy's there, wrap my arm around him, and we'll have, we'll have a fun 72 hours.
0: Man, I I wish I were there to witness this all.
1: Mel, no? As Field knows, there's a lot of a lot of his kid. Even McShay takes shots. He never says he does. He's perfect. I you know, he never never they never takes those. Like I said, he's a lick and roughing the analyst penalties, and he still does. I just I just take him and I just take him and I take him, and then finally I dish out a little bit. and He's crying to lose. But when we get together for day three, Todd, I think the sparks will be fine. Yep.
0: Can't wait for that already because, as we know, some of the best value picks take place on day three, rounds four through seven. So what we're going to kind of do is divide the show up into two halves. The first will be big themes tied to the quarterbacks because the biggest difference between last year's draft and this year's draft is that there is a bunch of quarterback star power. A year ago, we didn't know if any quarterback would go in the first round. It turned out Kenny Pickett did. That was it. This year, we're wondering if we might have the first time ever where we could have four quarterbacks go in the first four picks. So some of these questions, again, are ones that you guys have answered a 100, maybe even a 1,000 times by now. We feel pretty good about who is going number one overall. So... Let's talk about number two overall instead, Todd, because if we think Bryce Youngs would be a Carolina Panther, that leads to some intrigue with the Houston Texans. What's the latest that you have been hearing as you've worked the phones over the past few days and what they might do?
2: I don't think CJ Stroud's going to be the pick. He would be the pick for me. For Houston, it sounds like that they want to go the defensive route, possibly trading out of number two, but I'm not getting that sense. I, I talked to seven different people, people inside the league, some other sources that are well connected over the last 72 hours on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And all the information I'm getting is that Houston is looking at the defensive players. The thought process is this. Maybe at 12, you can get an Anthony Richardson, you can get a Hendon Hooker, who by the way, they've done quietly a lot of work on in the last week or so. A lot like they did with Derek Stingley a year ago. Remember, everyone thought that the first corner off the board was gonna be Sauce Gardner. They went with Derek Stingley. Sauce Gardner goes on to be Defensive Rookie of the Year. But they made a couple visits, a couple last-minute things. The information leaked. I'm not saying Henning Hooker isn't going to be the pick at 12 or if Houston doesn't trade back from 12 to, to try to get more picks and also get Hooker. But there's something there to keep an eye on. And the point is at 12, you're not getting Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech defensive end, who I think it, it, I'm hearing more links to Wilson than I am the other edge rusher and Will Anderson from Alabama. So I think it may come down to picking it two. Taking the best edge rusher on their board and then maybe at 12 you go the quarterback route or you continue to, to build this team. You know, D'Amico Ryan's the head coach comes from a San Francisco organization that saw what Nick Bosa could do. I'm not saying there's a Nick Bosa in this class, but Wilson's the closest thing in terms of stature, frame and the way he plays the game with power, almost 36 inch arms, over six foot five, 271 pounds and plays with quickness and power. So. If Houston goes defense there then, Field and Mel, the, the question is, A, do they get a quarterback leaving the first, the first round? Or are they going to wind up looking at Davis Mills and Case Keenum and say, you know, that's what we're going to go with next year, quarterback, which is crazy to me. And, B, where does C.J. Stroud fall? Because all the information I'm I'm getting is that Will Levis is going to be the pick at number four for the Colts. So if a team doesn't trade up like a Tennessee into the number two or three to get Stroud, we could have a scenario where Stroud's sitting on the board at number five to Seattle or even number six to Detroit, which is not something we expected even a week or so ago. Yeah, Todd, and Phil, I I
1: really think when you're you're Houston, the fragility of the quarterback position in terms of the draft, if you're going to risk losing – your guy, and waiting until 12, it's risky. Moving up from 12, there's no guarantee. And who's the sliding quarterback that they want? At Hendon Hooker, you'd probably sit at 12 and get. So, you know, are they going to end up with both Wills? I thought at one point it could be Will Anderson Jr. and Will Levis. Now you're Tyree Wilson. I'm thinking Tyree Wilson to me at that point is a major reach. Even on your ratings, Todd, I think it would even be a stretch. Well, mine would be a major stretch ahead of Will Anderson Jr. Well, I've said it all along. I said this back in December. He's not a special player. He's a special kid. He's not Von Miller. He's not Miles Garrett. He doesn't have that kind of bend and that kind of explosiveness. Can he be a 10 to 12 sack of year guy? Possibly. And that's more than good enough. Okay? But it's not elite of the elite. But if they're thinking Tyree Wilson can be elite of the elite, then they make that pick. But who's their quarterback going to be? Are they going to next year with Caleb Williams and with Drake May and Michael Penix Jr.? You can't think that way. You look know, at the Jets, they mm-hmm. ended up with, with Zach Wilson because they won a game and, and missed on Trevor Lawrence. Right. Okay? When the, 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 Tony Mandarich became the pick of Green Bay when they won a game, and Troy Aikman went number one. So you can't go into any year worrying about next year's draft. And those players, when I feel, could care less about that. They're playing for jobs. So for me, I think they're going to be the most fascinating team in this draft, Houston, because they are, as Dan olafsky has been saying, in the AFC, and we know all the great quarterbacks there. And now in this division where Indy's going to get a quarterback, okay? They're going to get a quarterback. Jacksonville already has Trevor Lawrence, who's the emerging as one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. And Tennessee's probably going to do something. So when you're picking second, you better get it right. You better come out of this draft with a quarterback. And obviously it's going to be one day White. My thing is, Todd Field, if it's one day love, why are they risking this? Mm. So in taking somebody at two that we both agree, Todd, Tyree Wilson at two is a reach. Am I correct?
2: Yeah, to a certain extent. But I, I would understand their reasoning, but I, I do like I would take Will Anderson over over Tyree Wilson, and I would take CJ Stroud, the quarterback, over any other player.
0: All right, so a lot to unpack there with that number two overall pick. And I know that we have had a lot of fun with Will Levis during the pre-draft process. The two of you have gone back and forth. But I think what's clear is that Todd still really likes Will Levis, even if not as quite as much as Mel. But Mel, let's just dive into it. How would you if you're stacking the quarterbacks right now? What does it look like, one through four? And I know Will Levis is going to slot in at number two, but is he in the conversation for the number one quarterback on your board?
1: He always was uh, in the conversation with Bryce Young. And perhaps Bryce Young got to 204. I said, okay, Bryce Young's the guy. I, you, know, you make a statement, you live by it. And I did it with Ray Flowers, back to the did it with Will Levis, and he's number two. Well, Bryce Young's number one. He's number two for me over C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson's four and then Hooker's five. So that's my order. It hasn't changed. The order hasn't changed since I think we started with this first podcast in what January. It's been that way. I was waiting on Young. Once Young became the guy, it was Levis, then Stroud, then Richardson, then then Hooker. I don't know, Todd, how do you rank the quarterbacks right now one to five?
2: If I go one to five, it's it's been Bryce Young for since day one. Number two, CJ Stroud. Number three, Anthony Richardson, just right behind I mean literally eleven and twelve on my border. Richardson, Will Levis. And then there's a there's a gap. And I go I have a second-round grade. I know you have a second, third-round grade on, on Hendon Hooker, but, but I also go back to this. If you have a second-round grade on a quarterback, you take him in the first round to try to get that fifth-year option, and that's why we're hearing a lot of noise about maybe Minnesota at 23, maybe Seattle at 20, maybe Detroit at 18, possibly Houston at 12 or moving back. So some teams like Hooker a lot more than we like them, and even if you like him in the range that we like him – you still try to take him in the first round to get that fifth-year option.
0: Let's go back to Will Levis here for a second, Todd, just to get your level set, like sort of level set, like your opinion, your official scouting yep. report on Will Levis, because, again, we've had some fun with this one. But to be clear, you are a Will Levis fan.
2: I am. I wouldn't have him sitting at 12 overall in a class if I don't like him. It's just been my job for the last four months to poke the bear with Kyper. He's big. He's strong. He's got arguably the strongest arm in his class, maybe just slightly behind Anthony Richardson. He's He's got the mobility you look for. He's a grinder. He's going to work his ass off. He is going to be the type of guy that teams will want, run through a wall for. So he has all those qualities working for him. To Kuiper's point, yes – he was injured this past year, and yes, it affected his, his performance. And he had a running back who was suspended four games. He had a bunch of young wide receivers and an offensive line that lost a couple guys to the NFL and didn't protect him as well in 2021. So the excuses are built in. I'm not saying he's making them, but a lot of people, including Kuiper, are making them for him. But there still are some issues. I think his presence inside the pocket is missing. He doesn't always feel where the pressure is coming from. He starts to panic. I think the turnovers are concerning. We talked about the old miss two fumbles in field goal position with under th- with 3 minutes just over 3 minutes left, down 3 points. Can't fumble the football does it twice. Uh 20 23 interceptions over the last 2 years was third worst, third to worst in the um in the FBS. The two guys behind him, Sam Hartman and Aiden O'Connell had at least 300 more pass attempts. So they're and in the the you know Mr. Universe the tightness in his upper body because of the obsession with the weightlifting leads to a lot of mislayups. So there are a lot of positives. There are some negatives. Hopefully, they can be coached out. But I'll say this. We talk about quarterbacks for four months, sometimes really nine months, leading up to a draft, right? Height, weight, speed, mobility, arm strength, accuracy, processing skills, all these things. Ultimately, the guys that succeed in the league, typically, you know, the very few transcendent guys – Ultimately, guys who are very good can go either way based on the situation they're drafted in and the coaching staff that is around them. And I think if Will Levis does indeed wind up going with the Colts, with Shane Steichen as the head coach, who has worked with Justin Herbert, who's worked with Jalen Hurts, and has had success with both of those guys, that puts Levis in a great spot and really gives them an opportunity to get the most out of those impressive physical traits that I talked
0: about. Yeah, quarterback context is so essential to the evaluation of these players because not all situations are created equally. Let's go from the quarterback to just like a top five overall Mel, So if I said to you, rip off your top five prospects in this year's draft class, regardless of position, what would it look like?
1: Yeah, right now it would be, like we said, Jalen Carter remains number one in terms of the rankings for Will Anderson, Jr. And then we get into Bryce Young at the same grade there. I'm with Bryce Young at number two with Will Anderson, Jr., three. Then I get into quarterbacks. Well, and I'm stacking them right behind one another. So I don't think there's much separating these quarterbacks at all. Will Anderson, Will Levis. Then, uh, after him, would be my next quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Then down to, after that, you get into the quarterbacks that can go, C.J. Stroud. So, for me, it's Young, Levis, Stroud, Richardson, Booker. I have a mid-second round grade right now on him and Hooker. So, my top five, top six overall are the quarterbacks and the two defensive players, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, Jr. And then, like I say, then after that, you get into, I think, those offensive linemen and those quarterbacks are the best football players in this draft. I think you get into Peter Swarovski with his left tackle capability, but he's the most versatile potentially because he hadn't done yet, but he could go to guard, maybe center. Then you get into Paris Johnson, junior Ohio State, left tackle this year, right guard previously, great talent. Broderick Jones, left tackle or right tackle. Take your pick. was left tackle. Some think that's his best spot will be right tackle. And then you get into Darnell Wright, right tackle out of Tennessee. In the two corners, Devin Witherspoon at Illinois, and now yeah, Christian Gonzalez at Oregon. Those are your – I think from a rate and, and then I'm gonna leave out the one guy, Todd, because I'm left, I think it's the most I think the most interesting player in this draft for obvious reasons is B. John Robinson. When you have a player that is mm-hmm. five, six on my board, three on some boards, and where's he gonna go just because of the position teams have already a pretty good stable of running backs? Where will B. John Robinson
2: end up? I think is Of all the players in this draft, I'm more interested in that than I think about anything else. Yeah, uh, Bijan's number two on my board. That's how highly I think of him. And I think, you know, you go back to Saquon Barkley's year. Since then, we haven't had a running back go in the top 24. So, excuse me, Bijan's going to slide a little bit, certainly past the number two spot, which is where I have him ranked. And I'm comfortable with that. I understand the running back position. I hear Atlanta is, it's... He's in the mix. I think if Atlanta could move back, they'd feel more comfortable. Philadelphia, I'm told, will not take him at 10. But if they do get a deal to move back and get an additional pick or two, they could possibly take him. Detroit is a possibility at 18. 21, the Chargers. And then the wild card that I keep looking at is the Dallas Cowboys. They're picking at 26. Do they want to give up a few, a couple picks probably to go up into the teens to go get Bijan if he's there at like 14, 15, 16? We'll find out, but I think that that would be the perfect marriage because you got Dak Prescott with Bijan Robinson. Compliment to Tony Pollard. Like to me, they needed a, a player in Bijan who can be that bell cow back and allow Pollard to do his thing, but also can be a slot receiver. That's the part about Bijan that people don't realize. I think he like Christian McCaffrey. That kind of role is feasible and probable for Bijan. That's how talented. Of a route runner and pass catcher that he is
0: i want to dive into the running backs a bit more in just a moment and i'm also going to get into some players that we think are rising and perhaps sliding down boards in just a bit before we do that though our friends at geico ask, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance of course you would and when it comes to great rates on insurance geico can help like with insurance for your car truck motorcycle boat and rv even help with homeowners or renters coverage plus add an easy to use mobile app available 24-hour roadside assistance and more in geico is an easy choice switch today and see all the ways you could save it's easy simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today and for the ones who get it done Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer, call Granger.com or just stop by. All right, so we're back here, and let's talk risers and fallers. I don't want to pin you guys to uh, these players too much because I get it. Everybody's board's different, and just because one team tells you, hey, this guy's moved up our board, it doesn't mean that a different team feels the same way. But, Mel, if you were to look at the players that maybe a month ago you felt differently on, is there a player who maybe has moved up in your book and maybe a player who has perhaps gone the other direction
1: You know, we talk about the offensive tackles a lot. And the guy I had for the Jets back in mock 1.0 or 2.0 was Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, left tackle. Then you move him down into the late first, early second round. I think we did our mock, and I have it right here, Todd. I'm thinking we had Anton Harrison, I believe, uh, somewhere in the early second round, mid-second round area of the Pittsburgh. I think he's going in the late first round right now. Uh, At worst, early second. To me, he's a riser. His name comes up a lot people like the talent. So Anton Harrison kind of gets lost in the shuffle with his offensive tackle. He's heavily in that mix to be one of the top guys. we talked about defensive tackles. I was with Elijah Cansey, but hey, Todd Mozzie Smith is right there right now. Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. The tackle numbers were high. The difference-making plays were lower because of the steam. His talent is off the charts. You put him in the right system and coach him up. Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle from Michigan, is definitely a guy on the move up draft boards right now. And in terms of of uh, guys that are, I would say falling. That somebody at tight end is going to fall mm. a little bit because we're going to have two in the first round, which will be Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer, probably. I think Darnell Washington, Georgia, and Luke Musgrave are going to say may drop a little further than some people think. I think Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida, because he's a pure guard. I Steve Avila from TCU right in there with him. I think Osiris Torrance and Florida drop them just a little bit as well. Uh, but on the move up boards right now, I think a guy, a couple, and the versatile DBs like Riley Moss and Iowa, who I think could be a safety, Something, hey, don't move him. Leave him a corner or move him inside. And then Jartavius Martin, the other defensive back we haven't talked enough about, who can do everything. He could be that guy, that slot corner, play safety, be at 44 vertical with great speed and range, uh, or Jartavius Martin from Illinois is a guy that comes up a lot in discussions I have with the NFL.
2: Yeah, listen, there are a lot of guys, and it just kind of depends on who you're talking to because they're not rising on my board, but it's it's basically where I have them compared to kind of the questions I'm getting and the range I think that they could go. I'll give you a few names. First of all, Steve Avila, you just mentioned him, the guard from, from TCU. I'm not saying he will go late in the first, but he could, you know, we've had surprises in, in previous years, even going back to the Patriots pick last year, late in the first round. I, I think Steve Avila could be an offensive lineman that sneaks into the late first, or will come off the board pretty early. I actually talked to a GM. He said, you know what? I liked him. He played well this year. I liked his 2021 tape better at center. And what I love is that we have that position flex, that versatility. So Avila is a name that's been kind of hot right now. The hottest name of any player in the last 72 hours, just from talking to teams in the league and talking to decision makers that are kind of trying to figure out that, that's when they, they don't think they're showing their you know their true interest. But if they start asking about a specific player, Jameer Gibbs has been asked about more in the conversations I've had, the running back from Alabama than any other player. Cause everything's been about Bijan Robinson. And I know Vegas has it at one and a half. I'm telling you, go get your bet in right now. There will be two running backs in the first round. Jameer Gibbs is going to go. The Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook comps are, are, you know, running rampant throughout the league. We don't have to give him 25 touches or carries a game. Get him 17, 20, 22 touches, including maybe four or five catches in the passing game where he had 104 catches the last three seasons at Georgia Tech and Alabama. He is dynamic. He's explosive. He has the speed, the twitch, everything you look for. And you know what? Maybe we don't have him for two or three games a year because he's dinged up like Alvin has been, like Dalvin has been. But the games that you have him, the vast majority of the time, he's going to be a huge difference maker. So that's another name, Jameer Gibbs going in the first round. Jonathan Mingo. In a in a receiver class that has a bunch of five seven to five ten slot receivers traditionally, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, uh, you know, starting off the list. You go down to like Marvin Mims and all these other guys that are, you know, Charlie Jones from Purdue. The list goes on and on and on of these smaller slot, you know, traditional slot guys. The big receivers are starting to get pushed up the board. Quentin Johnson was kind of dipping for a while. I think he goes in the first round because of his size. But Mingo's the hottest name from Ole Miss. 6'2, 220 pounds, ran in the 4'4s. Four I, I think he's got a chance because of his ability on contested throws, strength after the catch, to be an early second, second round pick and, and become an impact player at the next level. So those are a few guys. And you mentioned the tight ends, Mel. And I Like Darnell Washington, I, I don't know who's going to go as high as people think. The Georgia tight end who you got to kind of knock on his body to see if it's plastic. I mean, <laughs> he just fits the part. He looks the role. But uh, but I think he drops a little bit, and I, the one name I'm hearing, though, that is rising among the tight ends is Sam Laporta, the Iowa tight end, because of his ability after the catch. It's so unique compared to some of the other guys and in most classes. I think Laporta is going to go early second as well. Yeah, just to piggyback off with Todd Sandfield, real quick,
1: uh, John Michael Schmitz, the center at Minnesota, just yes. a good football player. He's a veteran. He's getting a, His name comes up a lot for me, Todd. Uh, Joe Tittman something, maybe more guard because he plays high, he's on the ground too much for me as a center, but as a guard that could be maybe a Pro Bowl future for a guy is a little overrated at center, but as far as John Michael Schmitz, I think he's a guy, his name comes off, like I'm with you on Gibbs, I think mean, Cincinnati would be a really nice uh, fit for him we mentioned with Joe Burrow, the way you can, you can move yep. him around with the Bengals, I think that would be a good spot, a couple other names Like you look at Cedric Tillman, a wide receiver really helped Tendon Hooker two years ago yeah. hurt this year, and that allowed Jalen Hyatt to be the guy People, teams are now, Todd, I don't know
2: if you're hearing this, are kind of back on Cedric Tillman. He could end up being right there. Yeah, it's the same thing bird. with Mingo. It's a, a size. Now. Yep, Sam, I'm hearing the same thing. Mingo rising and uh, Quentin Johnson rising. And the next name I hear is Cedric Tillman. So I think Tillman's going to be a lock at number two. I talked to two different scouts in October before the injuries started piling up this past year and, and wasn't able I think he only played in six games. It was kind of lingering all season long. But I talked to two different scouts and said we have first-round grades on him. So getting him somewhere in the second round, he's going to bounce back from that injury next year. It wasn't anything with long-term damage. So I think that, that Tillman, absolutely in a class full of smaller receivers, is going to get pushed up when, when we get, uh, get there on Friday night of the draft. Rounds two and three.
0: Let's talk team-specific now. And these are kind of fun questions because we talk so much about the prospects in the show and for every good reason available. But let's talk about some of the teams because we're finally so close to this exercise being underway. Mel, do you think there is a team that comes to mind that you think has the most pressure to get things right in this year's draft, whether it's because they're knocking on the doorstep of being a Super Bowl contender, or they've got all this draft capital, or any reason that you feel is justifiable for a team being a bit under fire to really get this one correct?
1: I think it's Indianapolis and Chris Ballard. I really do. I think they're the team that we've always heard has all the personnel ready to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. and Everything's in place, and they get the great linebacker back. They get the great running back back. They had injuries. I get it. When you get some of your focal point pieces, your key centerpieces hurt, I get it. That affects your football team, especially when the quarterback's not getting it done. And since Andrew Luck, they haven't had any uh, so-called luck, I would say, and good fortune at the quarterback position. So, again, the Indianapolis Colts, everything needs to come together Certainly, from an injury standpoint, say healthier. But the personnel may have been a little overrated. That's the orb. But not having the quarterback probably contributed to that, as well as the injuries to the guys I mentioned. So I think when you look at the Colts, they got to get it right. They're sitting there at four. What do they do? Their team, we kept saying, boy, play, every time you make predictions in August, Colts are ready right in the playoffs. And if that quarterback comes through, they're going to be in the Super Bowl next. That hasn't happened. So I think the Indianapolis Colts will be that team. And as I said before, Houston, they got to get it right. They got it when you got the second pick and the 12th pick you got to figure out a way to get this thing right, especially in the ASC where quarterbacks are dominating. you got to figure out which one after Bryce Young is your guy. you got to, Todd. What do you think? Are you going to be picking first or second next year and get Caleb Williams or Drake May? You can't think that way. Now, it may end up that way, but you can't think that way now.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go to the NFC North, uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to put pressure on these two teams just because there's opportunity. Mm. It's kind of up for grabs right now. Aaron Rodgers leaving the, you know, the division going to the New York jets. And I think he's going to be a jet in the next 48 hours. But when you look at the, the North, you've got Detroit making a kind of a surge, right? They, they show great promise on the offensive side last year. Got to get it right on the defensive side, but they seem poised. They've got four picks in the top 55 and five picks in the top 81. This is an opportunity. You know, you get an opportunity to bring in a defensive stud with that six pick. They could go quarterback and, and look towards the future. But it would be awfully tempting to keep rounding out this roster with a with an impact defensive player at number six, could go edge rusher, could go cornerback, get the best cornerback in this draft. I'd love to see Devin Witherspoon in that Aaron Glenn defense coming out of Illinois, the physicality that he brings. And then maybe they sneak in. Maybe it's Bijan Robinson at running back. Or even Jameer Gibbs, you know, a, a, kind of an impact running back in the, in the second. But he still have three other picks in the top, what, 81 overall. So – I think Detroit has an opportunity, and Chicago has an opportunity. The Bears, I love the move they made. They got their wide receiver, number one wide receiver in the in the trade with Carolina. They got a bunch of additional picks. They have four picks in the top sixty-four. So when you look at it, you got an opportunity to solidify the offensive line and get better. Like that Eberflus defense needs a three technique. Can they find one in the first round or are they going to have to move up and get one early in the second or or, or even back into the first round? Whatever it is, they need another edge rusher as well. So solidifying the lines, I think, are going to be critical for for the Chicago Bears. And we'll start start at pick number nine, where I think Paris Johnson, if not Peter Skaronsky, could be the pick at, at that number nine spot.
0: So you guys study these teams and these prospects all year round. But, Todd, when you think about doing a mock draft, obviously the point of a mock draft is to not hit all 31 selections. No one ever will. But you're trying to do your best to give a general forecast about how things will shake out. Is there a particular slot this year that because of where it's at, the team it is, uh, the run on, on on players in a particular position that could go ahead of that pick, you're having the hardest time pinpointing? And then tied to that, is there a team – that is always kind of keeping you on its toes more than others that you feel like is prone to be the wild card in the draft or in the first round of the draft?
2: Yeah, I, I think it gets interesting at like 10 and 11 in this year's draft because I, I do think there are eight or nine guys, and Mel just went through, you've got the quarterbacks, you've got Tyree Wilson, you've got Will Anderson, the edge rushers, you've got Jalen Carter, who could fall to nine, by the way. You know, Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, because of the character and the football character issues, could wind up falling more than people think. So just keep it, keep that jotted down, if you will, field. Mm-hmm. But anyway, add him to the mix. Then the offensive linemen and the cornerbacks, they, I think the offensive linemen could wind up going a little higher than we think. You know, with, with Skoronsky and Paris Johnson maybe being off the board by pick number nine. There's a possibility of that. And if that's the case, that, Now you get to 10 with with Philadelphia. They could go offensive line, defensive line, but who's their defensive line that you want to draft? Are they reaching a little bit for Lucas Van Ness at Iowa? Nolan Smith, I've heard you know rumors about that from Georgia, but I've also heard Nolan Smith could fall into the 20s. So there's a lot of different opinions on on Nolan Smith. Offensive line, it would be more for the future than it will necessarily right now, but Peter Skoransky could be a possibility. Plug him in at at right guard. So... We'll, we'll see what happens there for the Eagles. But then Tennessee at 11, I've, the most interesting conversations I had were other teams this weekend about Tennessee. Because I talked to two teams that have had conversations with Tennessee about moving up. I talked to another team, and I know of another team, both in the top 20 picks, that have talked to Tennessee with perim- like setting, um, preliminary discussions about what a trade would look, look like to move back from that number eleven spot. So they're kind of like they're hedging their bet, which every team should do at this point. But there's a lot of aggressive talk, and then there's retreat talk from that eleven spot. To answer your question about the team that I never get right, Seattle's been tough in, in past years. I was I was I felt good about it last year, but they they'll throw you a curveball. I live here in Boston, right? Yeah. You'd think I I know Bill a little bit. I, you'd think like with the people I know in the organ, I get nothing. I get yeah. nothing. The only pick I've gotten right, I think, in 20 years of doing this was Mac Jones, and it was a flyer. You know, he may be there at 15. I, I guessed at Mac Jones. Maybe there's a possibility, right? Right. And he uh, and I'm sitting there, pick 12. Don't don't move up. Don't let anyone move up. 13, come up, please, please, please. 14, and then 15. I'm like, oh, holy, you know. And he and he goes. But I'm telling you, like 21 other years of doing this stuff, and I've never gotten a Patriots pick right. And they're the first team almost every year. Mel, I don't know about you, every year where I'm. Going off of my top 350, I'm looking in my, my sub lists and like the three 351 down to like 1100 of guys, and I'm going through alphabetically, like who the hell is this guy, you know? And it's some some rugby player from wherever. So the Patriots are always keeping me on my toes. So I I appreciate that, Bill and company.
0: Mel, how about you? Is there a team that comes to mind in that same category? Because I gotta say, I, I think Todd's not alone. Like the Patriots are always the team that. Whatever you think is going to happen, they'll find a way to ensure that yeah. the script will go off-script. And Mel will go off-script <laughs> in just a couple of minutes, by the way. But who's the team that maybe has made things difficult? Because you've been doing this forever. You 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 practically created mock drafts, Mel.
1: I know. A monster, right? A monster was created. Um, I absolutely, this feel Todd. I absolutely hate that final mock draft we do the morning of the day. <laughs> I always kicks my butt. He always kicks my butt. And he always lets me know about him on day three. And you know, like I'm going to get those players for 2024. While you're kicking, you're showing me your mock draft. Hey, I'll clip to that off, we you? you 2024 guys. Uh, but the but to the point what Todd was saying about this pick, that pick, you hear so much and your head's spinning. This guy could go here, but he could drop yep. to the 20. This guy could go here, but it's always a but. And that's where I say, you know, and we're sitting there. I wouldn't be lying to you if you're not sitting there saying, "Oh, who do we mock to this team?" It skews everything. It should. It, it distorts our rankings. It's more about where is your rank a player and where you mock them. So I, I, I hate sitting there on draft day when picks are happening. Who, who'd I give them? Who'd I give them? That shouldn't even come into your thought process, but it does because we have these ridiculous early morning of the draft, mock draft. So A million of them are out there. So I hate doing it. I hate worrying about it. I hate even referring to it. I wish it didn't exist. That's the one part of the process I despise is that final mock draft.
2: I agree, man. If we, if I could get rid of that, I would do it in a heartbeat. Oh, I always know. said – you know, Morton Schefter should be doing the mock drafts. Yeah, right? how, how about kick your not, butt every year? Not, not, not. I've
1: been yeah. saying that
2: for 30 years. <laughs> Why aren't our insiders doing the
1: final mock? We Mel, bow out. Mel, we you, I can we make a call on mock. this. We've been here since day one. Yeah. Let the final mock be Morton Adam.
0: Yeah. I could you know what? I can make a call on this and see if Shefty and Mort are interested in doing so. Let's wrap things up here. It wouldn't be good for our business, though. That's <laughs> fair. you know, well. You guys do move the needle quite a bit. So let's wrap things up here, as we often do on first draft with Mel going off script. Mel, uh, the floor is yours. And remember, here we this go. this could be your last. Ah. We're going to do one more first draft next week. But this could be your last. This is your last off script before the draft. So fire yeah. away. If you want 10 minutes, you take it.
1: No, nah, not only 10. I just, I'm just just looking down here. Todd goes for 20 minutes. They took it at Seattle. <laughs> Seattle's one of those teams I looked at. Where's the defense? Where's the defense? Okay, where's the beef? Where's the guys that can stop the run? Where's that defense going to get that massive improvement they need? They were in the playoffs, they surprised people, they got this luxury bonus pick, right? At five. What are they going to do to get this defense a lot better? And we mentioned, Todd mentioned Jalen Carter. He, to me, is the best player on pure ability. Character concerns. Todd was the first one to point that out a couple months ago. Where does he fall? Okay, where does he go? So I think that's something where what does Seattle do. Do they take Carter? Do they pass on him? Because they need him. And I think that would be the first team that you say, boy, you know, why they passed on him. If, if you're getting the best player at five, and you need that guy for interior strength on defense to stop the run where you could not. You were gashed last year. We had the Josh Jacobs game, right? They had no answer. If the team's running the football right down their throat. Boom, boom, boom. And you got Jalen Carter staring in your face and you pass on him. That would be, to me, something to watch for and see how that goes to pick number five. In terms of players, I think, and we talked about the wide receiver position in this draft, Tank Dell is one of my favorite players. The more you watch him, the more you like this kid uh-huh. out of Houston. Clayton, they their quarterback, got him the ball early and often. He's an electrifying return man. He's a, he's a dynamic player. He's probably going to end up being a third-round pick. But guess what? He can play. A tight end we've forgotten about. I'd say forgotten about, we haven't talked enough about, was Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State. He had the injury against uh-huh. Iowa. bringing the ball. Go back two years ago when he was getting it done and putting up big-time numbers, okay, and and doing everything like Dallas Gauntlet was doing. But you look at where he's going to go. I think he's going to be a sneaky, really good pick for somebody as Tucker Kraft, the tight end from South Dakota State. Then you look at the receivers. I mentioned uh, Tank Dell. I'll tell you what. A lot of people are high on Rasheed Rice, who's SMU. Rasheed Rice, probably second round coming out of SMU. And I'll give you a name, Todd, that I'll see what you think. Here's a guy that I think goes fourth round that will be a guy we're going to be talking about on day three. Maybe one of my best available players at that point is Jason Brownlee out of Southern Mississippi. He had a great year this uh-huh. past year. Average over 16 yards to catch with eight touchdowns really good year was a former uh, a juco transfer comes in there does a heck of a job he's 6 198 with long arms tested out tremendously well athletically with nearly a 40 vertical yeah quarterback good getting the ball when he was open jason brownlee southern mississippi wide receiver is a guy third fourth round could be a name to think about there as a kid who can certainly play get the job done tyler steen transferred from vanderbilt alabama on the o-line Actually yep. like some defensive line at Vanderbilt early on. Some people think he's a guard. He had played a little right tackle early on, left tackle. Got that versatility. Tyler Steen goes in the second round. And I, and I mentioned John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota earlier, a, a center moving up into that mid-second. But Tyler Steen from Alabama, I'll tell you what, his name comes up an awful lot in discussions with NFL people this week, Todd. I had
2: about six minutes and 30 seconds, Kyle. You, you didn't <laughs> quite get to 10, but my goodness, 10, that was a lot of digest. Field game. Jeez. Unbelievable! Can you come up for air yet, Buck? I know. i right. hey, tell you, tell The draft has even I got, started. I got the water here. Good. Good. Take a sip of water. Let me just throw out a couple names because you got me thinking. Go right with that. Go right Tank Digsby. Uh, Tank Tank Bigsby. See, I can't even pronounce names. Right? I'm so exhausted from that. Tank Bigsby is a running back. I keep hearing that's kind of rising up the board in this year's class. Coming out of Auburn, very yep. productive last last couple of years. Can catch the ball. He's got some dynamic qualities to him. Kind of quiet throughout the process. But the more I talk to teams, the more he's a guy on the rise. Um, This wide receiver, Parker Washington. I liked him on tape. I gave him a fourth, fifth. Thought You know, his slot receiver is really – what he does best is after the catch, right, when the ball's in his hands. Like big, thick build. Not tall, but, you know, lower body strength. Talked to a team this week that said, you know what, Watch out for Parker going a little bit earlier than you think. Several teams are looking at him as a third down back, as someone who could be a slot receiver and a running back, which I never thought of. I hadn't heard of him playing the running back position. But anytime you talk about a conversion player who could be playing running back after spending his career, I think over the last three years, he was a starter, he was a true freshman at Penn State. They didn't th- throw the ball very well, so he doesn't have big numbers, but he was always kind of their go-to guy. Um, Parker Washington's another one. Um, and then there was one other on this list. Oh, Zavila, the, the guard from NC State, yes. not invited to the combine, but I, but he, I'm told, is going to wind up going in the top 100 picks. You know, if my if my sources are correct. So, so a couple guards that are rising up the boards. You got you got um, you know TCU, and then you've got you got Zavila from NC State. I think those are guys to keep an eye on. But but I, I really I was impressed with Steve Avila out of TCU, and and. Zavila, so Avila and Zavila are two guys that are rising.
0: And I mentioned this in one of our Sports Center specials last week for Zavila, not Steve Avila, for Zavila, his dad has appeared on Chops, an all-time legendary great television show on the Food Network. (laughs) Multiple times, so he's, I think he's won twice as well. Which that's very difficult to do because impressing those judges for six separate meals is a very. I knew tall you'd order. bring
2: this full circle. It's, you Field. Know, It's
0: all it's all I was care. It's all I cared about was finding one way to fold that nugget into the first draft podcast. You guys are welcome <laughs> to use that on the NFL draft broadcast, which of course you can watch in its entirety on ESPN and ABC. There are no men whose opinions I respect more about the NFL draft than Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. They are the ghosts of this industry. First draft is done in our pre-draft coverage. We're going to be back next week, but make sure you absorb all their information for seven rounds over three days for Mel and Todd on field. We'll talk to you guys next week to wrap up everything we can't wait for Thursday night.